0: My text this morning I take from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. Having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Now, today is the day when people of all ages and political Um, persuasions and religious convictions uh, remember we remember those who have suffered and died for our peace and our freedom Uh, next year we're going to be remembering particularly recalling 100 years since the start of the first great war was called And the second of those wars finished uh, well over half a century ago. And yet uh, uh, episodes of Downton Abbey and the constant regurgitation of uh, Dad's Army and Foyle's War constantly remind us of those two uh, shattering conflagrations. And and of course, scarcely a year has gone by since 1945 when there hasn't been uh, some sort of hostility going on of one sort or another around the world. Statistically, of course, there's a, a dwindling proportion of the population who were born, who've been born since Hiroshima and Nagasaki brought World War II peremptorily to a close and yet somehow war always seems to be with us. In all of us there lurk doubts and fears for the future, as Syria and Afghanistan rumble on and terrorism and suicide bombers seem to remain a a constant threat. I think everybody in their heart of hearts longs for real, lasting peace but I ask myself sometimes is it the right sort of peace for which we pine there seems to be a strange contradiction in what Jesus said on the subject in Matthew 10 34 he says I have come not to bring peace but the sword And yet, as we heard from John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace is one of the dominant desires of the human race in every age. But what is peace? So I thought we would look this morning at what scripture tells us about this. Now, I... Looked in those voluminous books I still have on my bookshelves that tell me about the scriptures. And uh, there's a quote here uh, about peace in the Old Testament. It defines it as peace. The state of wholeness possessed by persons or groups. This may be health, prosperity, security or the spiritual complement of God's covenant. No particular distinction is made between these categories. Military or economic peace are similar to the bodily or spiritual peace of the individual. And the important word which keeps coming through in all this in both... um, Aramaic and in Hebrew is this word shalom. Peace of any kind, secular or religious, is a wholeness determined and given by God. All peace is of God, and the condition of peace is the presence of God. The effect of righteousness, Isaiah tells us, will be peace. Peace is the antithesis of wickedness and injustice. The wholeness of someone's life includes and depends on obedience to God. Well, that's sort of summarizing what the Old Testament uh, view of, 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 of peace, shalom, is. What about the New Testament? The classical word, the Greek word of course for peace, is Arimne. But that's used more to, to describe the cessation of hostilities between rival nations or groups. We tend, I guess, all too often, particularly on Remembrance Sunday and in our prayers of intercession, to restrict the word to that more narrow um, interpretation. But the New Testament carries a far wider range of meanings, partly because of the influence, the Hebrew Aramaic uh, influence of that word shalom, shalom looking in the background, and partly, of course, because of Christian experience and and, and faith. Well, to summarise, I suppose it's difficult. Jesus, Paul, disciples, uh, often seem to use peace as a a greeting, don't they? Peace be with you, they say, or, or go in peace. It's more than just a, a conventional salutation. It's almost like a prayer or a benediction. But peace, as in the Old Testament, is always the gift of God. There seem to be three precise meanings in the, in the New Testament: first of all, the music of the usage of of classical Greek, which I mentioned, peace as opposed to war or conflict. It seems extended to deal with the reconciliation between races, Jews and Gentiles, for example, which are uh, traditionally antagonistic to each other. And it also applies to domestic peace, peace in the home or even in the church, for that matter. Secondly, it also applies to the restriction or the restoration of right right relationships between God and man. As I was uh, preaching about in August when I was last in this pulpit, now we are justified by faith. We are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5. But then thirdly, Um, the word also denotes somehow peace of mind or serenity. And perhaps this is a, a more distinctively Christian meaning. We often hear the benediction, the Philippians version, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or the Colossians version, the peace of Christ is to rule in your hearts. Or in John, as we heard in the second lesson, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And Jesus is is clearly contrasting this with the, the, the troubled, fearful hearts of the disciples at that particular time. It must therefore be quite clear that for the Christian... Peace is something more positive than just the absence of fighting. The gospel of peace is far more than just the assurance that Jesus can bring harmony between people and nations, a sense of personal security to individual people. In fact, he clearly indicates that this is not necessarily the case in this life at all. By the very nature of the gospel, there may well come tensions and deprivation and and real suffering for Christians. Uh, Assembly moderator John Ellis, in his recent visit here, told us of the current uh, plight of the Coptic Christians in, in Egypt. And yet of their steadfast resolution not to retaliate against oppression in any way in their day the apostles undoubtedly faced constant oppression and physical violence but still experienced a real sense of of peace look at Paul awaiting martyrdom as he must have known at any moment and yet completely at peace with himself as he writes to Timothy the Christian we can never count on peace if we mean just being left alone, not being interfered with, not experiencing hostility. We live in a hostile, violent world. We can't expect peace for ourselves until the gospel of peace is something which everyone can experience and enjoy. Remember Jeremiah's scalding condemnation of the people of his day, which was read to us in that passage. All of them, high and low, are out for ill-gotten gain. Prophets and priests are frauds. They dress my people's wound, but on the surface only, saying, All is well. Peace, peace, when there is no peace and then he goes on go up and down the streets of jerusalem see and take note search her wide squares can you find anyone who acts justly anyone who seeks the truth that i may forgive the city jerusalem's people wanted peace but weren't really willing to do anything about it. But, says Jeremiah, "There can be no real peace whilst there's injustice, selfishness, greed at the very roots of society." The peace of the world today just doesn't just mean. That people should stop fighting each other. The absence of disturbance, the natural desire for peace and quiet, no matter what's going on under the surface, can only be transitory. A wound doesn't heal just because you put a nice clean white bandage on it. You have to clean it. You have to get rid of the poison, the inner infection first, before the body as a whole can begin to become healthy and strong again. Peace, God's sort of peace, can only come in a context and environment of justice and compassion. The gospel of peace demands of Christians a a total and active commitment to the cause of justice and love. If the sacrifice, the deliverance we are remembering today, Remembrance Sunday, does not result in our joining hands in an all-out crusade to right those wrongs which cause violence and war, we might as well abandon remembrance day for it has become at best mere sentimentality at worst almost blasphemy there can be no peace without righteousness that's the message that comes through so clearly and remember Jesus entrusted the church with the gospel of peace. Unless we are fully engaged, we are not being the Church of Christ. The Christian's crusade must be for justice, for compassion, for a fair, fairer distribution of this world's rich resources. Justice is the only road to peace. Justice for all here and away to the furthest ends of the world. Well, it's good that, certainly at our earlier service today, we saw quite a number of younger faces taking part in the life of the church. And I think we should be very grateful for the contribution Josh has made in his ministry here uh, it's good to see the great contribution of Fury. That's the Fellowship of United Reformed Church making to the life of our denomination as a whole, and we were hearing at synod some of us yesterday um, just what they what they're up to, and it's great. But sadly, young people in their thousands, the millions probably, have rejected organise Christianity today because they see us as only marginally concerned with what they believe to be the real issues of the day. They lend their weight to Greenpeace, to Oxfam and Shelter and Amnesty International. They protest about racism and bad housing and the benefit cuts to the poorest whilst they see us spending 90% of our time and energy and money propping up the creaking edifice of the traditional ecclesiastical institution Jesus cared and he, he showed that he cared by a ministry which shared the good news of God's grace and love with everybody. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. If we are to be the church of the living Christ, we must be careful, take care to get our priorities right. We need to invest Just as much of ourselves in continuing Jesus' ministry to the world, the sinful, divided world he loved and came to save, as in our own inner personal salvation and the institutional structures of the church. Sometimes I fear that we appear to the outsider uh, rather like the people of Jerusalem in Jeremiah's day, running around saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. As Christians, we cannot acquiesce in the peace of the rich nations whilst millions starve. We cannot support the status quo when there remains discrimination and corruption and complacency in society, We can't keep quiet, keeping our heads down, hoping the world will go away. We are called to be disturbers of that sort of peace, as was Jesus. The Christian crusade is for the peace of God. Without justice and love, there is no peace for you or me Or anyone. I worked for eight years for the World Council of Churches which incidentally is this very time meeting in assembly its seven yearly assembly in Busan in South Korea. The World Council sometimes got itself into hot water for sticking up for the oppressed and the needy around the world. And I came across this quotation in one of its documents, The Church for Others. Each time a man is in prison, tortured or destroyed, death is at work. But each time a man is a true neighbor, each time men live for others, the life-giving action of God is discerned. These are signs of the kingdom of God and the setting up of shalom, God's peace. The battle before the church today is every bit as dangerous and as demanding as that which we remember on this special day of the year. The enemies, human greed, inhumanity, injustice are just as evil, Just as difficult to conquer. It's time therefore for us to put on what St. Paul describes as the whole armour of God. May God grant that as Christ's disciples our feet may be shod with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.